Our scripture lesson for the sermon this evening as we continue our study, brief overview here of the feasts of the Old Testament is in Leviticus chapter 23, picking up where we left off last time. At verse 23, and reading through verse 25, so just a short reading this evening. This is the word of the Lord, as he spoke to Moses, and as the Holy Spirit superintended Moses' writing of this, so that we know that it is faithfully and indeed infallibly recorded, and so this is the infallible, the inerrant word of our God. Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word for us at this time. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in the sight of the Lord this evening. Well, lately, uh, we have been considering these Old Testament, Old Covenant feasts and their relation to Christ. Uh, The seventh month on the ceremonial calendar of ancient Israel was a busy month. Uh, We might compare it to the so-called holiday season of our culture, you know, from uh, late November uh, into the beginning of January, where we have Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Uh, A major difference being that these were not merely cultural or man-made observances. They were commanded by God. The seventh month, the month of Tishri, as it was called, Uh, roughly overlaps with our September and October. And the holy observances in Tishri were the Feast of Trumpets on uh, on the first day of the month. So on the new moon, you would have this Feast of Trumpets. And so I guess we can liken it to to Thanksgiving, kicking off the holiday season, as it were. Uh, Secondly, then there came the Day of Atonement, which was the highlight of this season, so that's roughly comparable to how Christmas is celebrated in our culture. And Third, then, the Feast of Booths, or Tabernacles, which uh, lasted not just one day, but it was the the 15th through the 21st. So it was a week-long time, as we'll see uh, coming up, Lord willing. Uh, It was a time when uh, all of the adult males of Israel were commanded to gather at the sanctuary Uh, And uh, oftentimes they brought their families and they would live in temporary dwellings and booths or uh, tabernacles, tents as it were, uh, lean-tos, temporary shelters uh, as a a remembrance of their time in the wilderness. Well, this evening uh, we'll deal with the first of those three Uh, seventh month, month of Tishri uh, festivals, the Feast of Trumpets. Now, you might have recalled that there were two calendars, as it were, that the Israelites 
uh, followed. There was a civil calendar and a ceremonial calendar, and the ceremonial year began in the spring, the civil year in the fall. So the seventh month of the ceremonial year was consecrated as a sabbatical month, which makes sense. It's the the Sabbath of months. It's the, just as the the ordinary weekly Sabbath was the seventh day of the uh, of the week. This was the seventh month of the year. It wasn't one in which all labor was, was ceased for the whole month, uh, but it was uh, certainly a special time set apart. And of course, there were other sabbatical, so, so to speak, uh, observances as every seventh year the land was supposed to lie fallow, and then every 49th and 50th year, so they do it for two years in the 49th year. So groups of sevens were important in terms of God's ceremonial calendar. And this, uh, this feast or festival of trumpets uh, marked off this month as something special. Not only was it uh, was one of the three great feasts uh, which required the presence of every adult male in Israel held in this month, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the other two of those that required the presence of every adult male at the sanctuary were uh, Passover and the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. But the all-important Day of Atonement was in this seventh month. And Lord willing, uh, next time we'll talk about the Day of Atonement. So the month was set apart as special. It was holy. And so the month was kicked off, as it were. It was started... Uh, by uh, consecrating by the blowing of trumpets that was meant to set this day, or rather this month, off as a special month. Trumpets were blown on every new moon, but we'll get to what makes this one a little bit different in a bit here. Now the Hebrew of our scripture lesson, the word trumpets, interestingly, shofar in Hebrew, uh, does not actually appear But the verb form that means the giving of a signal by a trumpet blast of blowing the trumpets does appear. We know this in verses 23 and 24. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest. We'll come back to that Sabbath rest issue too. A memorial of blowing of trumpets. That's actually a verb that means blowing of trumpets. The word trumpets doesn't actually appear there in the Hebrew. A holy convocation. So this month is set apart as uh, by the blowing of trumpets. And this was commonly then known as the Feast of Trumpets because that's how it starts. With this special Sabbath day. No matter what day of the week it was that the new moon appeared, it was time uh, for the month to begin, uh, this would be a feast of trumpets and a Sabbath day. Now we noted that on the ceremonial calendar, this blowing of trumpets began the seventh month. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, there were sort of two calendars that the uh, Israelites followed. They were the same months, but it just had to do with when you counted a year as beginning. Tishri was the first month on the civil calendar. I know it's a little confusing, but ancient Israel had two years that overlapped each other. Uh, We might think of it something kind of like how, I think the analogy I used recently was a school year. So we know that a a school year will overlap two calendar years. And the calendar year will have two school years in it. 
parts of two school years in it. Uh, and so it's, it's something rather like that. The ceremonial year uh, the cer- began with the spring equinox, the month in which Passover uh, took place, or began in that month that would contain the spring equinox. And uh, this civil calendar by which king's reigns are ordinarily counted would begin the month of the fall, or the autumn equinox. Scholars today debate whether this goes back to uh, earlier than the Babylonian exile or not. Jewish tradition says it goes back to Moses, and that makes sense because when we read about Passover in the book of Exodus, we find that the Lord there says, uh, when that happened, this month from now on will be the beginning of months for you, will be the beginning of a year for you, which implies that they used to start their year at some other time, with some other month of the year. And it's most likely, since we see how other cultures around them uh, worked, that, that they, like the other cultures around them, counted New Year in the fall. And so uh, that uh, seems to be, as they used their civil year starting in the fall, uh, that seems to have been an accommodation to dealing with foreigners, to dealing with the cultures around them. But their ceremonial year and how things were done in the temple in particular were going to be counted from a spring New Year. So uh, certainly, though, from the return from the exile onwards, this Feast of Trumpets was also known as Rosh Hashanah, which literally means the head of the year. So it was considered New Year's Day. And so today, when you see on your calendar that there's some day in the fall that's marked off as Rosh Hashanah, that's that's, uh, the Jewish New Year, as it's often called. Uh, That's this day. It's the day of the Feast of Trumpets. Of course, today, it's celebrated rather differently than it would have been in ancient times, because there's no temple today. And we're going to hear tonight a little bit about how this was observed in the temple. Numbers 29, 1-6 tells us, On the first day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. So they're going to gather together. Now, remember, the men of Israel were not all required to be here at this time, as they will be a few weeks later at the Tabernacles Feast. Uh, So this would mean even in your own communities, you're going to have a holy gathering. You're going to have a worship day. You're going to have a holy convocation. As we saw, it's to be a Sabbath day. And and as uh, we go on here in Numbers 29, it says, You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a day for you to blow the trumpets. And you shall offer a burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, one bull from the herd, one ram, seven male lambs, a year old without blemish, also their grain offerings of fine flour mixed with oil, three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, with one male goat for a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering of the new moon and its grain offering, and the regular burnt offering and its grain offering, and their drink offering according to the rule for them for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to the Lord. So this, of course, is talking about what's going to happen once Israel is settled in the land, once they're in the land of promise, and there is a a central sanctuary, and eventually the Lord revealed that Jerusalem was the place where he would place his name. That would be the central sanctuary. As the Feast of Trumpets, or literally the memorial blowing, as Leviticus 23 verse 24 calls it, or the Day of Blowing, as Numbers 29 1 calls it, 
Uh, this was a day when trumpets, specifically the shofar, the ram's horn trumpet uh, that was blown in the temple, these would be blown all day long in Jerusalem. In addition to the ordinary morning and evening sacrifices and the ordinary burnt offering that would take place every new moon, every first day of every month, uh, that that would take place, indeed, you would have that as we just read, except that the male goat as a sin offering was not presented at its ordinary time. It wasn't presented uh, along with the other sacrifice of the ordinary new moon first. But rather, one bull, one ram, seven male lambs a year old were sacrificed and burned for the Lord, each with a grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil. And so uh, this is uh, a, an offering to propitiate God, to, to uh, note that we indeed offer, need to offer our whole self to him and that he, uh, he is rightly angered at our sins and so it takes death for us to enter into his presence. After that, the male goat for a sin offering was sacrificed to make atonement for you. And so there, that's the final uh, note of atonement, of being reconciled to God through these sacrifices. All of this, of course, pointing forward, as we'll see, to Jesus, the one atoning sacrifice. A drink offering was poured on the altar. And while this was done, the ancient rabbinic sources tell us the Levites sang Psalm 81, which declares in verse 3, Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon, on our feast day. So there were uh, three occasions the trumpet was blown, new moon, full moon, and the feast day. Of course, this was one that was both a new moon and a feast day. At the evening sacrifice that day, it was customary that Psalm 29 would be sung. Uh, which calls the angels and all of creation to ascribe glory to the Lord, to worship him in splendor, in the splendor of holiness, and asks the Lord to bless his people with strength and peace. And so, uh, even as this sabbatical month of the ceremonial year began, the civil year began, it would be kind of like having New Year's Day uh, for us, it began with uh, an admonition to worship God, sort of like a, a New Year's resolution that we were dedicating ourselves anew to the service of the Lord. There was a prayer and a benediction for strength and peace for Israel. Well, in ancient times, from dawn to dusk, there was the blowing of horns the whole time throughout the city. So once the central sanctuary was in Jerusalem, all of Jerusalem, people throughout the city, there would have been Levites in the temple blowing trumpets, and then there would have been people throughout the city blowing trumpets. It would have been a rather noisy day. So if there, if we want to to compare it to a holiday that's that's familiar to us, uh, well, maybe New Year's has this a little bit too in our culture, uh, but uh, certainly the 4th of July, our Independence Day, when there's, we make a lot of noise, right? It's part of the celebration here. It was a noisy day. Trumpets being blown throughout the city. Unless, and here's the one caveat, if it was also the weekly Sabbath. If it was what we would call Saturday, starting Friday evening to Saturday evening, 
the trumpets were blown only in the temple because it was an official act of worship, but the rest of the people should be indeed resting. The temple horns blown on feast days ordinarily had silver mouthpieces. So I find this an interesting thing. It's not just like they picked up a ram's horn laying out in the desert or something and started blowing on it. They would fashion it properly with a mouthpiece, and have, and for ordinary feast days, it had a silver mouthpiece. So while they didn't have uh, metal horns the way we're used to seeing, like a brass section in an orchestra or something, uh, they did have metal mouthpieces. They had a silver mouthpiece for feast days, except for this one. This day, the, the ram's horns were fitted with gold mouthpieces to be blown. Noting again the special character of this month. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we find this feast as the occasion in the days of Ezra, on which the people were deeply affected by the reading, the public reading of God's law. It was read publicly, and there were even people there meant to give it, give the sense of the meaning, so it was being exposited and proclaimed to the people. And uh, the people recognized their sins before the Lord, and they wept. They were cut to the heart uh, by the, the reading and the preaching of God's word. But interestingly, as we come to connect this to Christ, as we do the other feasts, the New Testament actually makes no mention of Jesus ever having attended this festival in Jerusalem. But that's okay as that was not required by the law of God that every adult male be there, unless he was a Levite that had his turn serving in the temple, he wasn't required to be uh, in Jerusalem. It was celebrated in all the synagogues. Remember, as we saw there in verse 25, uh, you shall do no customary work on it, you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. So it's it's a, a day of a Sabbath day, as we uh, see, as we saw in uh, in Numbers 29, it was to be a day of holy convocation. Indeed, we see this in verse uh, 24 here. You shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So it would have been celebrated in all of the synagogues, and so no doubt Jesus would have gone to his local synagogue or wherever he was. He would have gone to the local synagogue and celebrated this. He would have thereby fulfilled the law by participating as any other Israelite was required to do so by a holy resting and a day of worship. So what's the connection then for the New Covenant Church if, uh, if we don't really even read about what Jesus did on the Feast of Trumpets in the New Testament? What application might there be for us today? Well, the connection to Christ may not be so obvious as it is for something like Passover or the Day of Atonement that we'll be talking about soon, until we consider the particular distinction of the sin offering for that day. The ordinary new moon sacrifices took place, except that the sin offering was delayed until after these other special sacrifices for the feast took place. Then the male goat for a sin offering was sacrificed. But Numbers 29 verse 5 specifically calls it a sin offering to make atonement for you. Thus the theme of atonement is set. Ten days later there will be the actual day of atonement, the day of covering. It's uh, Yom Kippur, literally the, the day of covering, the covering of the sins of God's people. 
A day of reconciliation. That's what our English word atonement means. That's used to translate these terms. It's a day of reconciliation. Reconciling the sinner to our holy creator through a sacrificed substitute. Now you're beginning to see the connection to Christ. This is a This is a part of the whole sacrificial system of ancient Israel, but it was especially emphasized with the commands regarding this day. Even as Israel prepares for the Day of Atonement ten days later, they are already making a sacrifice that is specifically called a sacrifice of atonement. Thus, this was a reminder to ancient Israel of their need for reconciliation to God, their need for repentance, their need to be reconciled to their holy God, to be atoned for. One ancient Jewish commentator said of this feast, Awake, awake, take it to heart. Remember the one before whom you are to give an account in the judgment. So this was a day that was meant for people to remember and take to heart that they are accountable to God. John the Baptist would similarly call Israel, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and Jesus would begin his public ministry with virtually identical words. Perhaps Paul, many commentators think, was thinking of similar comments as that of this Jewish commentator when he wrote in Ephesians 5.14, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And then admonishes Christians, look carefully then how you walk. Similarly, ancient Israelites were told, essentially, look carefully how you walk as they prepared for this month that was a sabbatical month and that was a time particularly of the Day of Atonement. As the atonement in Jesus is applied to sinners, we are called to repent and walk wisely in his service. For he is returning. And one day there will be another feast of trumpets that will take place. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 tells us, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And so the Feast of Trumpets foreshadows that day of the trumpet blast when Christ returns. And we are called, therefore, to be ready for that, just as the Israelites were called to ready themselves for the Day of Atonement. We are to ready ourselves for the Day of Judgment when Christ will return with the trumpet blast. And so our exhortation this evening is that very thing. Be ready for the coming of Christ who fulfills all of these Old Testament types and shadows. Well, let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would help us to be repentant even as the atoning sacrifice of Christ is applied to us, that we might serve faithfully until that day of the final trumpet blast, when Christ, indeed, with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of 
the trumpet of God, will return as the dead in him rise, and as all who are alive in him are caught up together with every believer in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we pray that when Jesus returns, we will therefore be prepared for that day as we pray in his blessed name. Amen.